0: Well, good morning and welcome everyone at Celebration Church. Let's all stand together, everyone at our different campuses, all joined live via satellite this morning. And let's say our Apostles' Creed together. This is what we join together as a congregation and proclaim what it is that we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation The fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You all may be seated. Again, so glad to have all of you here with us today. We're so blessed at uh, Celebration Church. All the different uh, men and women who help to make possible what we do. Pastor Gary and his team down in the cafe. Ray and the guys over in Stevens Point. We've got Bob and Phil Over at our new campus on the west side of Green Bay and, of course, Pastor Lathan here at our campus, Bayside campus. We are very blessed by the men and women God has given us that uh, encourage us and pray for us. And, uh, you know, everybody gets to see my face all the time. But it's really these men and women who make a big difference in connecting and, and ministering to all of you. Let's give them all a hand just for all the work that they do. And I just wanted to make a pitch to all the campuses for our New Year's Eve dance uh, that we're having, our annual dance. New Year's Eve starting at 8 till midnight. We have a blast every year doing this. We just get together and Boogaloo, man. We have a lot of fun celebrating the new year coming in. Make sure that you can join with us. the ticket prices have been dropped dramatically this year $15 is all for a single 25 for a couple so make plans find babysitters do whatever you got to do come party with us so we're looking forward to that uh, before we get into uh, today's message actually kind of set off and put into context today's message I have a brief video clip that I want to play for all of you so enjoy this little clip this morning
1: One December night, over 2,000 years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. Twas the Nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, hold up there, Jeeves. I beg your pardon? Your Nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here, look, let's start with that donkey. Neither of the Gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. (laughs) Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs Uh, them there's no room Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable... Uh, No stable. Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So it could have been that instead of a stable the Bible doesn't really say. And the star of Bethlehem... Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh, yeah. A whole posse, even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a manger, not actual scripture. (laughs) Well, of (laughs) course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, Yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see... Okay, that's enough. Except for the Bloomin' Star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many... God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that. Music.
0: All righty then. The world loves a baby that part of the story we have right as he was reading there in Luke the second chapter today in the town of David a savior has been born to you he is Christ the Lord this will be assigned to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger has it ever dawned on people how comfortable people get with Jesus this time of year. You know, the world in general doesn't really care for Jesus. Uh, They seem very opposed to the concepts of Christianity in so many ways. But during Christmas time, everyone seems to embrace the idea of Jesus as a baby. And why not? Babies don't say anything. They don't do much. They don't challenge you. They don't get in your face. They're just cute warm fuzzy little babies and of course the message of Christian uh, the, me- the Christian message of Christmas time is uh, peace on earth goodwill towards man who doesn't love that it seems like the world very much embraces Christianity if Jesus is a baby if it's all about peace and kindness and everyone getting along and being blessed well then Jesus starts to grow and According to the Bible, he was quite a fascinating child, delightful child. We read about an account as a, as a boy, Jesus is about 12 years old now. It says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But the parents were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Well, after three days... Now, can you imagine how panicked they must have been? Three days they cannot find him. I thought you had him. I thought you had him. Why were paying attention? You know, I'm sure they had one of those lovely conversations. After three days, they find him. He's in the temple courts. He's sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. They were quite thrilled with this boy. Wow, what a sharp kid. Asking all the right questions, having all the right answers. At such a young age, they were quite stunned. Well, the Bible says when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus looked at him and said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Well, the Bible says that he went back with them and was very obedient to them. And then we have a good 18 years of silence, really, concerning the life of Jesus. We know he was a carpenter, took care of his family. Uh, We don't know what happened to Joseph, we assume that he died, Uh, Jesus is kind of the guy in charge, and he grows into a man, and then he starts his ministry at age 30, and we know that John the Baptist baptizes him, and the spirit of God comes on him like a dove, and we hear this voice, this is my beloved son, it's like fascinating stuff, he starts preaching and teaching, and starts drawing people after him, and he has these disciples, apostles that he calls, and uh, everybody starts following him, and um, we pick up the story very early into his ministry in, uh, in Canaan of Galilee. They have this wedding and, and Mary is invited and, and Jesus and his disciples are all invited. They all show up. And the Bible talks about this being his first miracle. And his disciples put their trust in him after seeing this, this miracle. Now, um, I believe this was his first public miracle i have a theory though the bible doesn't say and i certainly won't fight anybody about it but i have this theory that jesus had probably performed many miracles around the house for quite some time and uh you say well, why do you think that because of the context and the way the story is read here uh let's pick it up in, in john's gospel it says on the third day a wedding took place in cana of galilee and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples also had him invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Come on, they have no more wine. And the way Jesus responds is like, Mom, dear woman, he says, Why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And his mom says, Just do whatever he says. Watch this. This is, this is cool. You got to watch this. Just, just, just whatever he says. You know, so that's why I, she had to know. She had to have seen stuff. And not only seen stuff, but been aware of the fact that God would care, Jesus would care enough, even about the smallest details of people's lives. I mean, this is no big stinking deal here. They ran out of wine at a wedding. Whoop-dee-doo. The thing's been going on for three days. I think they've had enough. But everybody's feeling uncomfortable, and there's no more wedding, and the guy's kind of embarrassed. And right away, Barry notes, Come on, come on, he ran out of wine. Mom, just do what he says. Watch this. And sure enough, Jesus tells them to fill these large containers with water and said, Okay, now taste it. And everybody was absolutely floored. This is wine. And not only wine, it is fabulous. And everybody got excited. Everybody loved Jesus. I mean, what's not to love here? Well, his ministry goes on and he starts teaching people and doing incredible things. People would come to him very sick and and all kinds of diseases and stuff. And he would lay his hands on them. And as he touched them, they would be healed. And disease would go and people were made whole. And wow, this was fascinating stuff. People who were tormented by devils and spirits. Jesus would come and he'd cast them out and he'd set these people free and people started to follow him by the thousands. And the Bible talked about multitudes of people were following Jesus. They loved him. What was not to love? This was great. He's talking about God in ways we've never heard before. Saying amazing things like, you know, just do to others like you'd have them do to you and Give to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but give to God that which is God. They're hearing stuff they've never heard. But the thing that was really exciting to the people was when Jesus took the time to actually meet one of the most basic needs and he fed them all. Now we read the story, actually we read this throughout all the Gospels, but we're going to read the account uh, written down by John. This is in the 6th chapter of the Gospel of John. It says, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him. Remember, there's just multitudes of people. He says to Philip, where are we going to buy food for all these people to eat? And the, John writes, he says, he only asked us to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. It was a facetious question. Where are we going mean, to buy food? Where would you buy those 5,000 men here? And uh, in other accounts, it says there are also additional women and children who know how many thousands of people here. He said, where are we going to buy food all? I mean, even today, where would you buy food for that many people? You know, you could go down to Rainbow or something. 5,000, that's a lot of sandwiches, right? And uh, Philip says, well, eight months' wages could not buy enough bread. Each, for each one just to have a bite. And one of the other disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He says, well, there's a little kid over here with five small barley loaves and two small fish. I mean, the kid had his lunch with him but how far will they go among so many well Jesus says to them have the people sit down and there was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down about five thousand of them and Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted so he prays and and he starts handing all of a sudden the, the bread starts multiplying and the fish starts multiplying and this is an amazing thing and when they all had enough to eat. So everybody pigs out, right? 5,000 guys. And he says, well gather all the pieces that are left all over. Don't let anything be wasted. And they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who are eating. Great message here, by the way. God can meet your need. No matter what that need is. And, and he doesn't freak out when the stock market tanks. He doesn't freak out because someone's yelling,
1: recession, recession, recession. What are we going
0: to do? What are we going to do? You know, God's not up there going. Oh, oh,
1: oh.
0: I don't know. I thought everything was good. man. Fox News said it was bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. God is bigger than all that. And he can have more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. More than enough. That's right. That's the God we serve. But you're trusting him. and don't trust us crazy economy. Trust God. He can make it so that you have more than enough. Feeds everybody and there's 12 baskets left over. Just more than enough. Well, now, check this out. Now, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet. What's the prophet? This is the speaking of the Messiah. Moses referred to him as a prophet that would come after him. And they knew they were all waiting for the Messiah, the, the prophet. And he says, this is the prophet who was to come into the world. Now, check it out. They had been following him for some time. They had seen miracles that you and I had paid big money to see. All right? This is amazing stuff. I mean, changing people's lives and saying incredible words and they're all checking out. But it's not until he feeds them that they finally decide this must be the Messiah. All right, we just had the biggest tailgate party in the history of mankind, you know. This is great. We got free food. Now they're excited. I mean, how bizarre is this? I would think him raising somebody from the dead would pretty much sell me. Yep, that's got to be him. Yeah, that's, that's wow. (laughs) You know, when you're dead, one thing to have a cold when you're dead, wow. (laughs) But they didn't start saying, until he feeds them all. Then they go, this has got to be the Messiah, hallelujah. Praise
1: God.
0: (laughs) Yep, praise God, (laughs) hallelujah. Now we got the Messiah here. Well, they got so excited, they were going to make him king right then and there. And they were going to grab him by force and take him to Jerusalem and make him king. And this says in the next verse Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, as if you, continue to read, if you continue to read the story, you'll find out that Jesus tells the disciples, Look, go on without me, cross over to the lake, I'll catch up with you guys later. They probably figured he was going to grab another boat or something. He goes up to the mountain just to get away from all the people. And uh, the Bible says that these guys were working, trying to get across the lake, and there's this wind just blowing in their face and they're stuck out there and working and they're having a hard time crossing over and this is the story where we read that jesus was walking on the water see that that was the context here so they're all going and they're trying to get and then all of a sudden they look out and they see jesus walking on the water catching up with him walking on the water now how cool that had to be you know now it freaked the willies out of them and you can imagine they thought it was a ghost you know Ah! and then finally they realize, it's Jesus, wow, he's walking, so he gets in, and the Bible says, as soon as he stepped in the boat, boom, they were on the other side of the lake, just instant, just boom. I mean, this this is some cool stuff, right? And people are just amazed. So, anyway, they get to the other side, well, the crowds all catch up to him over there, and then comes one of the most defining moments of Jesus' ministry, and if you're into PR campaigns and stuff, you'd say, this is where he blew it. Okay, he didn't blow it, but you know, if all you're trying to do is get people to like you, then this is kind of blowing it because suddenly he starts talking in ways that really started to upset the people. And we read about in verse 53, Jesus said to, this, to these crowds, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Well, now that's, whoa, what are you talking about? And Jesus talked about how he was the bread of life. He said, you want to make me king just because you ate of the bread on the other side of the lake. He says, there's much more important bread here. It's about me. And he starts to explain to them. And they begin to understand that what he's saying is that unless you have complete faith and identification with me, you will have no eternal life in you. Well, now, now he's messing, Okay. I mean, so far the story's been fabulous. He's a baby, doesn't say nothing. He's cute. Okay? Great little boy. Fascinating wisdom. Now he's this man. He's doing all this cool stuff. Now he's feeding everybody for free. This this is cool. They love him. Until he starts to challenge them. And say, you need to surrender everything inside to me. If you're going to have life in you. Well, we read in verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Now, this is tough. I mean, who can accept this? I mean, everything else, you know, do unto others, all of a sudden, that's great. You know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. Yeah, that, that, that was cool. That was hip. That was fabulous. But this, who can handle this? This is tough. So you're talking about surrendering, really, completely and totally to you? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about, I mean, this is this got them all upset. I don't know what he's talking about, he's ruining everything. You know, just had a great sandwich and now he's got to go into this. <laughs> Jesus said to them, "Does this does this offend you?" There was lots of things Jesus said that offended people. It didn't bother Jesus. He seemed to be very comfortable with the idea of offending people kind of different for us today because we always think you know whatever you do for heaven's sakes don't offend people and we just cannot be offended we we have changed our entire the face the culture of our nation has been changed over the last 40 years just out of fear that someone might become uncomfortable or offended We couldn't pray anymore in schools because someone might feel offended by the prayer. Goodness gracious, let's change the way our nation runs because someone might be offended. We can't have nativity scenes displayed in public because somebody might be offended. (gasps) Offended! (gasps) Well, let's, let's ban that. Let's not have that anymore. And our department stores, people quit saying Merry Christmas because that, that might, might offend somebody. Now how you offend somebody with Merry Christmas at Christmas time, I don't understand that one. It's Christmas. But as it's not said, I said, might, might, somebody could possibly, possibly, maybe possibly be offended. As happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever in the world we come up with. you know? Because we just can't possibly offend people. I mean, you stop with think, we have lost our minds in this country. Bunch of lunatics. Who cares if somebody gets offended? Good grief, if I get offended, I just... If you don't like something, don't go. What's the big stinking deal? There's stuff I see, I don't like it. I don't write my congressman out, that offended me. I'm very offended. I have a right in this country not to be offended. The Constitution says no one in the United States of America should ever be offended. No, it doesn't. You nitwit. Does that offend you? <laughs> Change the channel. Good grief, people. I do him. That preacher offends me. Uh. Now, the cartoon was cute, but this other stuff offends me. Right to the station. Just change the channel. Goodness gracious. Well, anyway, verse 66, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and wouldn't follow him anymore. I mean, that's where he blew it on the PR scale. If you're trying to get big crowds, man, just keep making sandwiches and be cool. Don't challenge people. Don't say things that might offend them, that might trouble them, that might challenge them. And make no mistake, the reason the world is so comfortable this time of year with the message of Christianity is because babies don't say anything. They don't picture Jesus as a man challenging them to turn away from their sins, to quit being so stinking selfish. Doing things that are destructive and harmful to themselves and to others. That Jesus, not too crazy about him. The baby Jesus, that's cool. He did not say anything. Everybody started turning back and Jesus turned to his 12 apostles. The main guy said, you don't want to leave me too, do you? I mean, he wasn't worried about it. He wasn't going,
1: you're not going to go too, are
0: you? They were leaving by droves throw you guys out of here too. Simon Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's summarize this this morning. Several things from this message, starting with the Christmas story. Number one, God knows people's hearts' desires. One of the reasons people love the Christmas time is because of this idea of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Everybody desires peace. Everybody wants to get along. Everybody wants tranquility. And God knows that. That's why the angels celebrated it. I love the fact that God cares about your most basic needs. I love the fact that at a wedding, for no reason at all, again, no one was dying here. There was no critical situation going on, but yet God does a miracle for the most simple of needs. You know, a lot of times, we'll come to church and your campus pastor will say, you know, stand together, let's pray, or pray for different needs, and and a lot of times people think, well, God doesn't care about my needs, you know, I just... The simple stuff it's, it's no big deal you know and, and you, you think that God doesn't care about you, you need to, God cares about you even in your smallest of struggles even on your way to church today when you felt like strangling your husband but then you smiled as soon as you walked into church <laughs> you were tempted to throw your children out the door I know I've been there Even in your simplest of challenges in life, God cares about you and is willing to do miracles to turn things around in your life, even things you think that don't matter to him. Why would he do it? Because it matters to you. He loves you. I mean, Jesus did this just because mom bugged him and it mattered to the guy running the wedding. does an incredible miracle. In this analogy of him feeding all the people, you know, God wants to satisfy the hunger of your life, the desires in you, even if it's just for some food. Again, the simplest of needs. We have throughout the gospel a picture of a God who amazingly and overwhelmingly loves and cares about you right now, today. But none of that is possible unless you completely surrender to Jesus Christ the angel said for unto you a child is born and he will be Christ the Lord the Lord the one who has the final say about everything I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time and get ready throughout our campuses to serve communion our musicians can get ready uh, to play during our communion time so the question this morning is pretty simple. A lot of people say, Well, you know, I I I I believe in Jesus. You know, I believe he was born and I think he did all these cool things and stuff. And that's great. The Bible makes this amazing statement, though, that says just believing, acknowledging really isn't enough. James said, even the devil believes it's not going to do him any good. The real question is, have you completely surrendered to him to let go and just let God in your life that's what Jesus was talking about when he challenged people unless you eat my flesh, unless you drink my blood, unless you completely surrender to me you can't have true spiritual life in you well this morning if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life And to let go and let God have control of your life. You can experience his wonderful forgiveness. That's what we're celebrating during our communion time. His body broken for us so that we could be whole. His blood shed for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And if you've never truly surrendered in your heart and in your life to him. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads with me this morning. We're going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to invite everybody throughout all our campuses to pray this prayer along with me this morning. But if you're here this morning, you're thinking, you know, I, I guess I've believed all this stuff, but I've never really surrendered my life to Christ. If you'll pray this prayer with us and really mean this, you can take your first steps of faith this morning. And you can experience the reality of God in your life. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. That you loved me so much you went to the cross and you took my punishment I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins I now surrender to you Amen